0: When the fires die down and the guests are full, the only thing left to do is enjoy the company. Best done with a fresh cigar and a cold drink. This is After the Cook. What's going on, everybody? How are we doing today? It's another edition After the Cook with me, Dark Side of the Grill, and my man, the Barbecue Buddha. I hope you guys are as pumped as we are. This is going to be a deadly episode how you doing brother man
1: i can't wait i can't wait it feels like i just saw you which i did i feel like i miss you so it's sad that we have to wait to record an episode of after the cook for us actually to talk and get together but here we are and i'm so excited to do just that and we have an awesome guest today a personal friend of mine a great guy a big name in the culinary world chef jason morris will be joining us later today but uh first why don't we get into uh, how we've been doing in January? It's 2023. We're recording this episode in January. A lot of new stuff going on. What sort of lifestyle changes or commitments have you have you stuck to already in this early part of the new year? Well, you <laughs> teed that one <laughs> up perfectly, didn't you? So
0: <laughs> I'm not much for like New Year's resolutions, new New Year, new me, that kind of bull stuff, right? But yeah. uh, i've needed a break on my liver i just i i knew it was coming anyway and new year's eve was pretty rough so then next morning (laughs) that's it i shut her down it's what what day 12 day 13 now i haven't had a drop alcohol i've been drinking these bubblies like crazy coffee whatever and because i like doing things simple i also decided since we're doing this to implement um, morning fasting, so I don't eat right now from 8 p.m. until noon, which is wow. unbelievably hard, especially when you're shooting content. So it's been a bit weird, but you know, it's it's working out. I dropped 15 pounds in 12 days,
1: so all that is from what it your is. face, yeah,
0: a lot your from face my right. Looks,
1: I mean, it's insane when we talked uh, on the phone, FaceTime or whatever we did the other day. I didn't yep. even know how to process the information. You had like your mustache. I, I thought you grew your mustache in the since I last saw you, but no, your mustache <laughs> is the same. It's just bigger in comparison to your smaller face. <laughs> oh, no, this is I'm starting to think like there's all kinds of weird, you know what
0: I mean? I try not to take anybody's advice with a grain of salt, but a few people have told me that some people have like swelling from overachieving their alcohol consumption. And I myself, and I am an overachiever every day, right? So I'm constantly trying to push the buck, and maybe, maybe there's a bit of truth to that. So I'm. If right
1: now our producer Jordan isn't editing in the clip of you catching a white claw when we were recording uh, the episode (laughs) here last month, then then he's not doing his job. Um, Well, no, I mean, it's amazing. And and I totally agree with you. New Year's resolutions are, I mean, I personally like to live my life. Kaizen is a methodology I read about in the early 90s. It's what uh, Phil Jackson used to use when he coached Michael Jordan and not to conflate myself with Michael Jordan but you know you got to start you got to start with something right uh, so when you're looking at self improvement the way I like to look at things is you know uh, you can't dramatically overhaul everything because then you don't know what works right if you're already doing something pretty well which you are I am I think you know we're we're, we're good eggs out there in this field um, so how do you get better and how do you get measurably better that sticks and so kaizen is this concept that Phil took when it's a Japanese thing That's where the word comes from. And it means continuous improvement. So his thing was, I'm not sure I can get the world's greatest basketball player to be better. But if I could get him to be 1% better every day, just a little better, keeping his fundamentals. And so that's the way I like to look at the new year. It's just another opportunity to keep sharpening the saw, doing little iterative changes, improving your life. And it sounds like, you know, we're both. On a, on a very good, healthy path to start the beginning of the year. Well,
0: 100%, man. You you actually, you were the driving force behind that, seeing how well put together you are now with what, what you've been up to, right? Yeah. It, it definitely motivated me to do this as well. And like I was talking to Jordan, and I'm sure you're going to ring in with this one for sure. Like last <laughs> night was a hard night for me. And I, I just sitting here in neutral, and I wanted to go out in the hot tub and have like 20 white claws and, and a couple of cigars, and I just, I was done with it. And I chose like a, a weird little philosophy, I, I'm thinking here, just one more day, right? And I was yeah. like, man, I could, I could also just watch a, an episode of Yellowstone and go to bed and then wake up early and do my content. And I was like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just do one more day. And when I woke up in the morning, I was like, my gosh, I was this close to breaking, breaking the whole thing. And it really just focusing on that one more day
1: made it just absolutely easy. So. And 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 you find for me, my experience, I started November eighth and it was a weird date, but it happened to be a Monday. And on Mondays you go retrieve the garbage can because they pick it up Monday mornings. And then I noticed the recycling. And so our recycling, they recycle cardboard and cans and plastic, but they don't they don't pick up at your curb. The, the glass. So we accumulate a bin of glass, takes about a month to, to fill up the bin, and then I bring it to the local recycling center to give away the glass. Well, this particular Monday, I happened to notice that I threw away at the recycling center five handles. So not the regular liter bottles of bourbon, but five handles, so like double bottles of bourbon that I had consumed in a month period of time. That's like a handle in a quarter a week. See how I did the math there? I'm very... Very good at arithmetic. I'm actually terrible, yeah, but I digress. Very... And so that was to me. That was my wake-up call. It was no call to action. Nobody in my life was saying you needed to drink less, or at least if they were, I didn't remember them telling me that. Uh, you know, it was just the thing for me. And I started exactly like you said. I did. I didn't set some. I'm never drinking again. I know, I didn't set out to do this thing. I just said, hey, I'm going to make it to Thanksgiving. And yeah. the first couple of weeks for me were just like that. It was like, man, it was tough to just get through the one day. And I got to Thanksgiving. I was like, I feel better. I like kind of how this is going. So anyway, I just hit my two months. Still don't know where I'm going. I'm, I'm sure I'll drink at some point again in my life. It's me. I mean, I've got way too much bourbon to give it up all. But right now, I'm feeling good, and I'm playing whack-a-mole with the things that are coming up. And I'll close with this to tie it into what you just said that made me go on this long diatribe. The doing things like that every day, making that hard decision... When you want to go on autopilot and just do the things that you used to do and making that decision and then waking up the next morning, you're stronger. It's like it's like working out or running or doing a podcast. It's like every every day, every experience like that, you get a little stronger And it. I see that effect is more than just making a decision whether to drink or not. It makes you stronger as a person. So there there's deep thoughts with the barbecue Buddha.
0: That is awesome
1: feel like crying. Nice. The the audience needs tissue papers right now. And I'm sorry, oh. audience. I will send congrats you. We'll get you, a tissue man. paper that's, sponsor.
0: Congrats to you. That's a long stretch already, man. I know. I know how it goes. So that's awesome.
1: I'm um, terrified can- of the first drink. I mean, I don't even I don't even know what I'll do or how I feel. I bet you I could drink a light beer right now and go straight to the moon. So So
0: yeah. y- here's my there's a 100% chance that I'm not going to finish the month with dry dry January, right? So I'm doing dry to the 19th is my goal. <laughs> we'll see when I get there. But in, in my head, it's dry to the 19th because I'm going to the shed in Mississippi to do a, a steak cooking competition, I'm judging, right? And of course, one of the entries is a Bloody Mary competition. Okay, And you know... You know me and Caesars, right? Caesars, Caesars are also bloody Marys. Yeah. Well, they have like whole crabs on top of them with yeah, like a brisket hanging It's the so shed. What, so what what am I gonna do there? Like, oh I'm sorry, well, I can't what? I can't judge that that comp.
1: We know be each like, other. we know each other well <laughs> enough for me to be able to cut in here and say, you know, maybe your relationship with alcohol could change. Like I said, the on. it doesn't need to be dramatic. Maybe this experience, the 19th, 19 days of sobriety and this strength that you're gaining, maybe it's something you could carry with you and drink slightly less, just 1% less. Maybe That's make right. one small change that just helps you build a better future. Look yep. at us. We've pivoted. What From a barbecue this? show yes, and an overindulgent exactly. show, and probably this episode's going to drop in March when everybody's fat and happy again, so nobody, this is going to fall on deaf ears. But yeah. kids, at home, Everybody, you should. Everybody's drunk. And, and I don't sort of want to hear these
0: bozos. That's
1: yeah, it. but I mean, you yeah. know, it's a good... I No matter what, my relationship with the way I do those things fundamentally changed going forward, and that's a positive thing, and that's all I could hope for. That's all you could hope for. A little better. Right on. Right on. Well... I mean, you know, that was as stimulating as you could possibly get. But I am really jazzed up for this next guest. He is the face of Ace Corporate Barbecuing. He's their barbecue grilling expert. He's the owner of 5280 Culinary. You know him. You love him. Chef Jason Morris is going to be joining us next now. Can't wait. Oh, you know what time it is.
0: There we go What's, people ladies and gentlemen we got Jason Morris with us today Chef Jason
1: Morris I chef I Jason treat Morris. Chef Jason like you would treat a doctor you would never introduce a doctor, doctor. without saying doctor so doctor. I would never ever address or introduce Jason without saying chef because he is Chef, chef. Jason
2: Morris Chef Jason Morris Thank, Thank you. you Chef Thanks for Welcome. having me do that uh, intro music I'm amped I'm super pumped <laughs>
1: I it's uh, Mel and I, uh, we were here in Florida late night, he picked up a guitar, I was on the drums, we recorded that in a strange late night session, and no, we didn't. It's just it's, royally it's, free music that we liked and used, a, so but thank you. A, a
0: gentleman named Lola walked out of the Everglades and, and cut the audio for that, so that's... <laughs> right. Right.
2: Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah.
0: Lola.
1: So uh, you are in sunny Denver, is it which... Which side of Dr. and Jekyll is Denver today? Are you on the negative 10 and snowy side or are you 60 degrees and shorts and flip-flop side?
2: We are confused today because it started off at like 12 degrees. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to get up to 46 today. Uh, But I I mean, the sun just came out, but give it a half hour, it could go away and we could have tornadoes. I mean, Colorado is pretty bipolar with the weather. So we're on the easy side, maybe. How how do you
1: mentally and physically prepare to cook with those changes, rapid changes in the environment? I mean, what is your mental prep to do all that stuff?
2: Well, you know, today I just finished what we call Hot and Fast. It's kind of a live Zoom cooking class we do for our Ace Associates. And uh, today was griddling. You know, griddles hate cold weather and wind. I had (laughs) both of those this morning. So (laughs) you, like... I have a thing where I wear shorts the majority of the year in flip flops and then the minute it's just cold and my legs don't like being cold then it's boots, jeans and so this morning I manned up, I put on long socks, jeans and I just went outside and cooked. The beauty is back behind this collection of grills we have our little kitchen area so we do the majority of our work uh, in the kitchen and then go outside and show off the grills when we do our video shots and things like that. So. I don't uh, spend a lot of time outside, but um, enough when you to do, be You're chilling.
1: prepared. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, is this a different location than the one that I was with you? I think this is a new setup for you and Ace since I last saw you.
2: Oh, yeah. Last February,
1: March. It was February of 2020. I was yeah, out yeah. recording content for an Ace summer event with Jason's, first time we met. And I'm staying with my brother in law who lives in Castle Rock, Castle Pines, right near you. And we would wake up every morning and I was getting ready to go see you for a day's worth of work. And he'd be reading about this thing called the coronavirus that was spreading across in Italy. Yeah. And he was like reading these articles about the way – thing. it was the most strange – I'd go cook with you all day and come home and worry about this thing that ended up, you know, we know what happened. Being a thing.
2: <laughs> After that cook, I hopped on a plane and went to Scotland to go make pizzas with Uni, and That's literally really listened to that coronavirus story the entire way out. Uh, about a week later, I got back into New Jersey and Newark, and they were shutting down the world behind me on my way home. <laughs> yeah. When I got back to Denver, within two days, it was down. And Crazy. I'm like, wow. I mean, it was either good or bad. I could have been stuck in Scotland making pizzas for two years while I was locked down uh, or home with my family. So I'm going to say I'm pretty stoked yeah. that I was home with my family.
0: Isn't that wild, eh? How the, yeah, the whole super. world just... We actually we had a baby like the month before COVID, so oh, right. I've never we, we had we had, that. you know the hospital the whole nine yards right, and then as soon as we got out of the hospital, the world shut down, and then we have a fresh baby. You have to go back. You have to do these things, and yeah. the doctor's like, here's six months of like vitamin d drops don't come back and we're like this is out of the walking dead man like this is <laughs> yeah. this is crazy did, like it did was... they
1: consider having a baby in elective surgery because remember during that time they like shut down a le- no i'm sorry you can't come into the hospital that's an elective surgery you're yeah. you're on your own sir
0: in, in canada half the time we have them in the bush anyway so you know it is what it is <laughs> chef jason morris i have a question for you. You. Yes.
1: for you thank you yes uh, it's you very
0: efficient. Uh, you are in in Colorado. Does Hunter S. Thompson still have a good foothold there, or is he like long gone now?
2: Uh, I think long gone. Yeah, I mean, okay. there's still like some holdouts that and things like that, but I I I think long gone. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, because that's I I always wondered like they had they had built a huge shrine for him. I, I was wondering if like it, you know it's a it's a state treasure or if they took it down already. Kind of thing, right? So. I
2: I think it's still there. I think there's a collective group of people that are enamored by it and, and consider it a state treasure. I'm not in that group. I'm more, um, I don't know. I don't know who my state treasure is here in Colorado. The mountains. Maybe John it's just Elway. The the mountains. It's got to be John Elway. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to say something and don't tell anyone I said this. I don't you watch do sports. <laughs> you know what? I do not what? watch. I do. I Listen, it. I'm not even kidding you. I don't watch football, baseball, basketball, occasionally i watch hockey i love car racing uh i just i love motorsports so i i'm a motorsport guy like i love formula one but could not tell you anything about football baseball yeah i don't know well doesn't that put
1: you in a strange position because grilling in particular your field of expertise in sports and particularly football go hand in hand isn't there isn't there marketing and events you have to do through ace or just yourself where it's Football tailgating related, and you have to just pretend like you know what's going
2: on. Yeah, I do some research ahead of time. I Google a lot of things, and I'm like, this is "Okay, what a football baseball. looks like." So this, okay, right. so baseball, they're gonna they're gonna run on the bases and score a run and possibly hit a home run. I yeah. I know enough, right? Like I know about sports. I just you know because I work so much and uh, I travel a ton. I I focus on motorsports, which are I can record. I don't miss much. Um, I get to see them all, and and that keeps me happy. But yeah, I'm not a yeah. It's just
1: well, then we got to yeah. keep searching for state treasures for you, then. State I'll find Hickenlooper.
2: one. Hick and Looper is pretty cool, man. Hick was uh, I, one of my chef buddies back in the day. Worked for uh, Wincoop Brewing Company, which is kind of the mm-hmm. the pioneers in that uh, craft Lodo, beer industry right. way back when. And my my buddy Jeremy worked for Hick, and Hick was super cool dude.
1: He he did Lodo and basically re he was one of the first mayors. Was he mayor at the time that like revitalized a downtown area before that became really big across the country? And downtown had been long abandoned across the country and all the cities and states across except the big ones like New York and stuff. And Higginloper, I think, started that whole scene in Lodo and created that whole it's cool to be downtown again phenomenon.
2: Yeah, he did a good job. They did a really nice job revitalizing that area. You know, now there's Union Station down there, and there's such a big draw uh between all the hip restaurants and shops. Uh they opened, actually opened a Lucchese boot shop down in uh just by Union Station, which is wild because that draws people from the burbs down to downtown to get, you know, higher-end gear and products they want. So they've done a really nice job. Like downtown's a pretty fun area. It has it has its moments, right? It has its spots, but yeah. for the most part, it's yeah. pretty yeah. solid.
1: How did you get to Denver or Colorado in general from Minneapolis? What was the journey like that that, that brought you from the Midwest? Is Minneapolis Midwest? Yeah. I think it is. Oh no, okay. man, out west! Don't you know? At west. Don't, yeah. you, know? Oh, <laughs> don't boy. you know? You drink Oof, pops, uh, yeah?
2: You know, it's hilarious when I go home to Minnesota. I just chuckle inside. Actually, I chuckle outside too, but mostly I chuckle inside and look at my family like, you all sound hilarious when you talk. Cause they're like, oh, don't you know? And oh, we went to the store and we. And my friend called me on the phone. And you're like, who talks like that? Well, the whole state does. Um, you know, years ago, <laughs> I've been in Denver about 24 years. Uh, I was working at the Mall of America at a really large restaurant, 520 seat restaurant. Uh, we were doing about $20 million a year in food and beverage sales. So not a small place. Uh, I had a right. staff of about 150 in the, in the kitchen alone. Wow. And uh, the, the owners of our company said, hey, we are thinking about moving our corporate offices to Denver. Uh, but we're also looking at the the Denver pavilions to open a restaurant. Um, will you go out and scope it out? So I, I went out for a weekend, came out here with my girlfriend at the time and um, checked out the site. And oddly enough, met my sous chef. Uh, I met a gentleman who had walked up to the site and wanted to ask when we were hiring and just had a nice conversation with him. And it led to eventually me hiring as a sous chef and just a great guy. So I was here touring the site. We took off and went up in the mountains. And I'm just blown away, right? Because Minnesota and Colorado could not be more polar opposites. We went up in the mountains, had a blast. Ended up staying here for about a week, Uh, went home and, you know, told the owners and I had talked to him on the phone, too, but told the owners like, wow, I love it. I love the space that we can have. I love the vibe. I love the feel, the people. And they were like, cool, because we're moving and we want you to come with us. And moving
1: the whole operations, they weren't just building a second location. We were doing that. This was our third location. Okay.
2: And the owners loved Colorado. One of our owners was from Colorado and the, and the boys, so to speak, the boys wanted to go home. So they literally said, well, glad you're like it because we're moving and we want you to go. I honestly didn't even think twice about it. I said, yeah, I'm there. I'm in. So that brought me out here. And I'll tell you what, it's, I moved away once back in 2003 to go to Georgia for about 15 months. Right. And just, I missed Colorado and we packed up and came back home because, you know, I've lived here most, most over half of my life. So, that's uh, awesome.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that's been uh, exciting to get to know more about you is how drawn you are to Colorado local ingredients, the Colorado... Um, So what for you was the biggest difference going from Minneapolis to to Colorado as far as ingredient styles? Um, The obvious one is you just had to stop listening to Prince the minute that you stepped into Colorado. But no, never,
2: never, (laughs) never stop listening to Prince. Um, You know, it was interesting when I lived in Minneapolis, we did uh, we did a lot of fishing and a lot of hunting. I love the bird hunt. I love upland game. Uh, And the chef I worked for at the time when I was a young up-and-coming cook chef was all about using local wild game. Uh, We had a meat market, um, a small local butcher shop meat market, and they provided us with our meat, with our ground products, with uh, pheasant, duck, all those types of things. That was super important, but there was never a large movement like there is here in Colorado to really support local agriculture between food, fiber, you know, things raised, grown, and produced. When I got to Colorado, that became such a huge movement. And I remember saying to our Department of Agriculture, like, wow, this is wild that other states don't have this excitement and this passion behind everything being raised, grown, produced in the state they live in. And, you know, as a chef in a restaurant that could do 3,000 covers on a Saturday using a lot of product, man, it's great to be able to showcase your local food, fiber, products, etc. So it transitioned into it very nicely, and now I work very heavy with Colorado Beef Council, Colorado Lamb, uh, Colorado Department of Agriculture. I produce content for them monthly with one of our featured items. Uh, I work with Colorado Potatoes, Colorado Pork. It's pretty, it's it's just wild the amount of locality there is, but it's just crazy, too, because maybe I didn't pay attention when I was younger. Uh, There was a crazy amount of food raised and produced here.
1: Right. What, for the people living outside of Colorado, is the most surprising ingredient that you found and like to work with that many of us may not know?
2: Well, Colorado potatoes are interesting because people assume Idaho, Idaho potatoes, Washington State, that's where they grow potatoes. Colorado's the second largest uh, potato producer, so I love Colorado potatoes. What I learned most of, I'm Lebanese, I grew up eating a lot of lamb. Lamb was one of our staple proteins Mm -hmm. uh, that our family consumed a lot of. When I got to Colorado, I I learned very quickly that the differentiation between uh, domestic lamb and imported lamb is flavor. Imported lamb is very predominant in grocery stores because the movement to local lamb wasn't quite there. When Colorado lamb became more popular and all of a sudden, Colorado lamb was being requested in New York and Chicago. I mean, it was being served on menus all over the nation. And there was a reason for it. I mean, Colorado lamb has such a different flavor, very, uh, very rich and deep and robust in flavor but it doesn't have all of the gaminess you would see and get from imported lamb. So that was my biggest surprise. Um there is a huge difference. I think people need to understand there's a big difference in the size, the quality and the taste between domestic lamb and imported lamb. Oh, well, for
0: sure. So if you had to say a regional dish out of out of uh, Colorado, something that kind of blew your doors off when you got there, when you landed there, when you saw all the different kitchens and the different cooks. What what do you say would be the the feature dish of Colorado?
2: I'm telling you, it's lamb. I remember I remember as an up and coming chef, I met a, a gentleman Joe Piazza, who was an uh, I was just. Getting my first country club chef job, Joe was a sous chef at a country club uh, working under a certified master chef. And when Joe and I met, he kind of, we kind of, you know, like we liked each other. We were both kind of chuckleheads and we we loved food. We were passionate about it. And Joe said, hey, you should come to the club. We're doing some practicing for, you know, Team USA. Uh, and just being able to taste through all of the lamb dishes they were making was just, I mean, when people think of Colorado, yes, they think of Colorado beef, and, and then they always think of Rocky Mountain oysters because apparently we're, we're nuts literally over Rocky Mountain oysters. But, yeah, lamb, Colorado lamb, definitely the okay. center of the plate, definitely a wow factor.
0: That's awesome. So you were talking about uh, the country clubs, right? Yep. If, if you had to round up, and, and Ace Hardware obviously is number one, going back,
2: what was your favorite place to work? Hands down, country club. Yeah, It's a different. Right. You know, I, I grew up in hotels, in yeah. convention centers. Uh, I worked in private steakhouses. I worked at top 10 steakhouses in the nation. Uh, I was a corporate trainer and opened stores for Chili's. Yeah. I went back into hotels, worked for Marriott, Radisson, Hilton. Um, I worked for a private Italian restaurant company in Minneapolis that, you know, I grew from three restaurants to 13 restaurants in my time with them. I really enjoyed that. I loved hotels, I liked conventions, I loved private restaurants, but man, I have no regrets in life. I'm super, super fortunate to not ever get up in the morning and be like, man, I regret not doing this. However, however, from a culinary standpoint and my career, I wish I would have known just how amazing country clubs were back in the day when I was an up and coming cook, because I'll tell you what, I loved it, yes. You work for however many members you have in a private club. The club I was at here, I worked for 1,200 members. But think of, don't think of it as, man, I have to work for these people. I took it upon myself to think of it as, I get to work for 1,200 people. My job between my culinary team and my operations and and food service team is to learn the idiosyncrasies, the nuances, the wants, needs, and desires of those 1,200 people so we can better take care of them. I want to know what kind of cars they drive so we can see them in the lot. I want to know about their kids. I want to know eating habits. Uh, So we dialed that in and became, you know, one of the top clubs from the standpoint of culinary options um, and our ability to service our members. Dude, I I loved it. I really did. I was, uh, I just enjoyed it a ton, but there was always something in the back of my mind that, uh, you know, I wanted to move up and move up and move up and do better. And the club I was at, the club supported that, but the manager ahead of me or above me was never going anywhere. So that opportunity for me to continually grow yeah. wasn't there. And then the opportunity to do what I do for Ace and start a barbecue products business presented itself. And I literally, I, I cut the cord and, and left my safety net and never looked back.
0: That's awesome, man. That's 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 yeah. perfect. And that's... To hear you say that, like, want to know what kind of cars they drive so you know that I can I can instantly picture. So back in my welding days, uh, the owner, he was private club, the whole nine yards, same deal. When he pulled in, he's like, they know my stake is blue rare. They know. And it's just yep. neat that you say that because he was like, that alone meant half of his club membership. Was just yep. knowing that when he walked in there, everything was going to be so that's wild. I love to hear that, man. Congrats. We had that's a really,
2: really cool, cool computer system where each member, we would put their the member in, the spouse, and their kids. And then we would put all of the information about them birth date, likes, dislikes, food allergies. It was a very robust system. So we knew when they ordered, I you know, if I got a ticket and it was a Anderson family, it was, you know, dad, mom, kids, and then we would know, oh, hey, wait a minute didn't last time the Andersons were here, didn't their kids want us to change it this way? So we could communicate that to the server who would go out to the table and say, hey, little Tommy, last time you were here, chef thought you liked XYZ. And the parents were like, how do you remember that? But that to me was the difference between doing a good job and being phenomenal at what we did. And that's what I pushed myself to do and pushed my uh, staff to do. Because guess what? When a person comes into your club and they're writing a check for $50,000, $70,000 for initiation, yeah. that's what helps them write that check better.
0: Yeah. Faster. De- of course. Value added right there. <laughs> totally, yeah. That's it. So yeah.
1: help connect the dots. You're in Minneapolis. You went from rolling enchiladas to the steakhouse yeah. to Colorado. Where did you, I think I read somewhere that you start, I know in 2010 you started 528 zero culinary and i think that's the height that denver is in the mountains is that the five two eight zero yeah
2: 5280 culinary so um you know i'm at the country club i'm doing my thing downtown denver we have two geological survey medallions in the sidewalk in a certain couple areas and basically the medallion is uh, one mile high the u.s geological survey said if you're standing here you're officially 5280 feet above sea level so I always found that when I first moved here, I lived downtown and I always found that to be fascinating. I'm just, I, I'm, I, I don't know why. I love that medallion. I thought it was cool. So I'm sitting at the country club, right? And, I, and when I talked about there was no room for my upward mobility, uh, it's Christmas time. I get my Christmas bonus. It's, it's mediocre at best. And then we find out the Christmas bonus, which was different than the operations bonus. We weren't getting the operations bonus because, oh, you just barely missed it. So I was fuming. Right. When you're a country club chef, you work six or seven days a week. And we we and I don't never complained about it because it is what it is. Right. That was the requirements. So I'm sitting in my car and I'm a little bit upset. Right. And I've got my Christmas bonus in my hand and I'm thinking, I going to do something different. Well, in 2010, I was invited to the White House to participate in the uh, chef's move to schools initiative with mm-hmm. the Obama administration. So I had that under my wing. I was doing a little bit of consulting here and there for some local schools, how they could better enhance or, or improve their culinary offerings. And I went to the bank and I'm at my Chase bank and I'm talking to the my banker who I know and we were talking about country club life. And I said, this is my Christmas bonus. I should start a business with this and make a difference in what I do for work. And he's like, yeah, we should do that. So we start chit chatting back and forth. The next thing you know, we're on the secretary of state website and we're throwing names around. And I'm like, dude, 5280 Culinary, the mile high city, everything I do. You know, I love Colorado. I have the Colorado flag on all my chef's coats. Um, we Google it and holy mackerel, it's there. <laughs> so we we grab it up. I trademark it. And then I'm driving home like I just started a business. I get home and I grab a piece of mail out, out of the mailbox. I'm like walking from the mailbox to my house, and the four-digit extension, my zip code is 80126, and then there's a four-digit extension, Mm -hmm. 5280.
1: So, meant to be. Meant to be. be. That's awesome, man. That's
2: that's awesome. And they, when I went in to resign, they freaked out. (laughs) They they threw money at me. They gave me a raise. The GM was like, here's more money. And I was like, oh, where was that last year? Yeah,
1: when I, yeah. yeah.
0: That too little too late, right? And you're staring at someone that, that you like poured your heart and soul out to. Yeah. And you just say, total. like, there's nothing you can put on the table right now that's gonna change the momentum that you started.
2: Yeah. And yeah. They're and they're just like, Yep. Dude, I was pissed. I, I literally was like, I was pissed. Like, I I know the cars our members drive what they like, don't like. We know their birthdays, what their kids like. Uh, I know what kids have allergies and you're telling me now that I'm leaving, I'm worth this money to you. So I did what anybody would do. I took the money and used that to seed in the background the business because it was a gift, it was a bird in the hand. And then all of a sudden I came back about five months later and said, hey, I'm doing consulting I've got this Ace Hardware, I'm selling barbecue products to my three Ace Hardware stores in town, and my side hustle equals my salary, time for me to fly.
1: Yep. Right. All right. So before we get into the particulars of 5280, I have to just acknowledge something, and it's another one of the reasons why I love you, is the humble brag that you threw in at the beginning of this story. Like, did you notice how Chef Jason just said, well, I was invited to the White House. Michelle Obama was there and all the stuff we did. But anyway, the ba da- ba 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 5280 culinary. So why don't you just take a minute and just, you know, round out, just, just, just strut your stuff, brother. What, how did you get to the White House? What was that all about?
2: So I had two kids. I, ha- I still have two kids, but my kids were much younger. Now they're like snot-nosed teenagers, but back then they were little kids that looked at you like, dad is my hero. Now they look at me like, oh, please don't talk to my friends. (laughs) So, you know, I'm a bigger guy. I don't always eat uh, perfectly and as uh, the USDA suggests and dietitians. But it was interesting when I looked at the food my kids were eating in school lunch, higher in sodium, higher in fat. uh, And I just felt like I had the opportunity to do something as the chef of a, a country club. I work for my members and my members were saying, hey, you should come to my kid's school and do some cooking demonstrations. So I started uh, doing that for some of the members' kids and, and cooking at their schools. I started doing it at my kid's schools and my local chefs association took notice of it. And there was an opportunity they had sent out through the American Culinary Federation a notice saying, hey, we're looking to start this initiative. The Sam Cass and Michelle Obama are looking to start this initiative. And we would love to have chefs be recommended for this. So myself and about four other chefs from the Denver market were invited to the White House to to participate in this. There were maybe 1500 people on the South Lawn of the White House. Um, I was, excuse me, I was in the third row on the aisle behind Daniel Boulud, his family, uh, right there by the podium with Mrs. Obama and Sam Cass. Uh, it was just absolutely mind-blowing. But the cool part was when the country club found out, they, country clubs are notorious for loving, they just love their chefs, right? The, the mm-hmm. members know you work really, really hard and they love to take care of you. Um, so a member came forward and said, we'll pay for his entire trip. Don't give him. Don't make him take time off. We'll pay for that. We'll pay his salary. Blah blah blah. Airfare. Um, somebody stepped forward and and paid for it all. My trip. Uh, we went out and just had a blast. My buddy Joe from the Country Club World. He was there with me as well, uh, and it was just cool. And it was that spark that I was like, all right, I can do. I can do different, right? So I became a consultant for the Institute of Childhood Nutrition. They're based at Old Miss in Oxford, Mississippi. And as a consult for them, I went across the nation to train culinary skills and techniques to school food service professionals. Uh, I went to Guam three times. I trained... Uh, we had Saipan, uh, Rota, all the Mariana Islands, flew into Guam so that we could train them. We, I mean, it was just, it, I've been everywhere because of that, and that really helped. It was nice because that was my break from the country club while I was building the beginning of the spice business. It was an opportunity to do something different, and it was the opportunity to make an impact and to leave a little bit of a legacy. Uh, and it was fun. It was really nice. Uh, to be involved in school lunch and to to try to make a difference, and I think I did, uh, and I think that uh, I worked for my kid's school district as a consultant for about three years. So, do they have a statue of you in Guam, like in the city square? <laughs> yeah. No, like they don't. Like holding a
1: spatula they, they, and a
2: plate, yeah. you know, or something. I would have been holding like a scrub brush because literally right. every <laughs> time every time we got there, it was like. Uh, There was a typhoon last week. There's a boil water order now. Or I went to the Virgin Islands too for the government. Mm -hmm. And I get into this school and it looked like the school looked like a scene out of Chuck Norris missing in action. Like the fences were overgrown with bushes and rusty. And I'm like, that's a school. Dude, I roll into the school and I start getting my station set up and there's a garbage can. I move the garbage can. I've never seen that many cockroaches collectively in my entire life. Then I saw under that one garbage can.
1: Oh, was that the just, lunch special that day? It was oh, It was protein like
2: the crunchy stuff
1: on the salad. Red curry. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But White House was super cool, man. Just an absolute you know, when you get to meet the president, the first lady, the executive chef of the White House. Um, man, I'll tell you what, it's pretty humbling, right? It, it's very you look up at the sky and, and think to yourself, I'm just a guy from Minnesota that loves to cook. What the hell right. am I doing here? Like, how yep. did this happen? To me? Did Did you get to go into the kitchen of the White House? I didn't. We were in some meeting rooms inside the White House, and for some reason, I'm not sure why. I think because they were getting ready for a state dinner. No. Uh, but we got to see the White House garden um, and do some some really cool things there. It was It was fun. It was really fun. So
0: I- I always wonder if that's the kind of kitchen where there's a duck press in the corner. You know what I mean? Like, just in case. there's.
1: <laughs> you know, oh, that's... They have everything. I actually, oddly enough, when I was little, like really little, so I hate, well, I like these stories, but I hate the fact that I didn't truly, because I was young, have the context or the appreciation for it. But it just so happens to be a story that happened to me. My dad owned restaurants in Washington, D.C. in the late 70s up to, Well, actually, early 90s. The heyday was in the mid-80s. And one of the investors in his restaurants was a guy named Robert Fielding, who was the personal lawyer of Ronald Reagan. So when Ronald Reagan was in the White House my dad got an invitation to eat. We didn't eat with Reagan. I never met Reagan. This is a cool story, but is isn't that cool. And uh, right. But I got to eat in the White House, like the dining room with Bob Fielding, my dad's friend, and I got to go into the kitchen. But I was like, you know, I don't know. I was eight or ten years old. I was a little kid. To me, I was like, I can't believe I have to wear this tie and walk around yeah. in, in this environment. So yeah, it's uh, it's decked out in the White House. That's cool that's
0: I, I love to hear the stories and, and especially cooking for children and changing the way that children eat in yeah. schools. That's huge, man. Like i got, I got two little ones myself and it, it drives me. I'm not allowed to cook my daughter lunch. She's in, in grade school right now because everything has to be uniform because of allergies and stuff like that. So, and and here I got like a Wagyu steak that I'm, I'm putting in the fridge and I'm like, like why can't she take this? I constantly with the wife at, at <laughs> yeah, I, it's insane because I know you know cold pizza. Are you serious? Like that's drives me nuts. But it's good, it's good. Well, to now know the you have a resource.
1: A you should well, this, you should work yeah. directly with Chef Jason on a meal program using your ingredients, but yet preparing them in a way that's healthy for yeah. children in Guam.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Well, you know, interestingly too, in that whole movement, as we talk about local and 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 using local products. Because of what I did with the schools, we were using local beef when it came to hamburger day or taco meat or sloppy Joe day. We were using local, more local produce. So there was an opportunity for us to, you know, before that ugly food movement where we started teaching people, who cares if a pepper's got a a turn to it, if it looks ugly, it still tastes the same, eats the same, cooks the same. We were getting all the ugly food in the schools and using it just the same. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So we, yeah.
1: so we touched on 528 Culinary. Yep. I know you make rubs because I've used a bunch of your delicious rubs, and they are truly thank delicious. you. Thank but you, thank you have a – and I know – and I want to get to how you went from that to ACE, and I think that's the next thing. But but while we're on 528 Zero Culinary, yep. um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the service offering, what you do there, what you want people to know about this company that you started and, and you continue to run this day.
2: Yeah, thank you. It's our it's it's our family business. You know, I uh, I started it with a loan from my wife, uh, a little bit of seed money from my Christmas bonus. My wife never lets me forget. She she claims that I've never paid her back that money, which she's full of crap because I've probably paid her back a thousand times over. Um, But it's just it's our family business. We uh, we manufacture barbecue products. Uh, I do some consulting. I work a lot with agriculture uh, to help be the conduit between the agricultural uh, ranchers, growers, producers, and and consumers to help them understand that getting out in front of consumers uh, and teaching them how their beef is raised and produced. You know, ranchers and producers don't have to hide. Now I get to be the spokesperson for them to help uh, you know consumers understand a day in the life. Uh, we do consulting work. I do the Ace barbecue products that we sell at Ace. Uh, and then we do content creation, which, you know, thanks to COVID, prior to, to COVID, we were doing fun little videos on our iPhone, right? And we thought we were all fancy. And now, you know, I've, I don't know, twenty five, thirty thousand dollars 30000 worth of lights and 4K cameras and editing software. And uh, now, you know, content's a huge, content is king. Just yeah. like you, you, both of you guys create some amazing content. Uh, we try our hardest to create content as well that translates anything we do. I mean, I create content monthly for the Department of Agriculture. I take one of our featured items like I just did uh, Instapot bean soup last month. So, I mean, yeah, we do a ton of stuff. We seem to dabble in a lot of different things. But, you know, now the majority of our business is all about the barbecue products, working with our sponsors and with our Partners that we and our clients, and then doing a ton of content. We, man, it's just wild. Content never ends. It's, it's crazy. Well,
0: it's, it's funny you mentioned that too, where we went from COVID now to where content yeah. is. When, when you see little Billy, he's 17 years old and he's got a YouTube channel where he records himself shooting video games and he's got $30,000 worth of gear. You better believe, like, we've all got to yeah. knuckle up now, man. It's crazy, crazy the content coming out and the, and the just, yeah. just the, perfect perfect stuff it's it's, it's do you remember
2: do you remember back in the day when you told people you had the newest latest greatest iphone and you were shooting all these videos and they were like whoa that's crazy are you serious and now it's like you would be blown away if you saw the four different atomist monitors i have with the three different cameras and overhead rig and this and that and you know, a remote so you can fire all of the cameras so you can be a, a one-man band. It's pretty wild to think <laughs> yeah. where we came from and now all of a sudden where, I think where you have to be if you want to continually elevate the content, you know?
0: Yeah. Go ahead. I, I'm definitely going to circle back and, and hit you up personally about the, the bridge that you're building between agriculture and stuff. Up here in Canada, I work with Alberta Beef, exact same thing. There's such a gap between the ranchers and the consumers it's just a, it's it's like football fields wide and when I'm doing events uh, I did uh, the farm fair in the winter yep. I pulled my rig out and I cooked the farm fair right out front and and the actual ranchers were there they were all competing with their cattle and to see that massive gap we had people from Friesen brothers and and our local uh, grocery chains right and they, they don't even talk. They're in the same room and they don't even talk. And here I am. I'm the guy who cooks it. I'm like, why aren't you people dancing? You guys have so much to do here. It's, yeah, yeah it's, I, I can imagine it, That must be a wild place to sit in the middle in a, an office setting and all. Oh, that's awesome. I love to hear that.
2: We just, uh, yeah, it is. It's really wild. It's, it's, it's nice because agriculture community are such amazing people. I mean, I just love them to death. You know, they care so much about their animals, their produce. I was just with a group of chefs at a potato expo. So the entire United States of America, all the growers and producers, came together here in Denver for a potato expo. Uh, there were some Food Network chefs that I did a competition with, and it was wild. Another humble it's, brag. Did you see Yeah, that? sorry. That's why I love this guy. Love sorry. this guy. Yeah, yeah. But the interesting part was we all commented to each other how awesome it was for potatoes to take the center of the plate because it's always about beef and pork and chicken. And here we are showcasing a commodity item that people spend a lot of time and effort to grow the best potatoes ever. And we get to showcase it on the center of the plate.
1: Did you think well in enough advance so you brought your own, like, sets of eyes and lips and noses and stuff for all the different potatoes?
2: You know, I, I brought the Mrs. Potato Head stuff by accident. So I took a different spin when it came to how fast I can build Mrs. Potato Head. But, I mean, she looked pretty solid, I, I have to say. That's, I did a good job. Hey, you
1: know, it's but you dress her up in a skirt steak, and she's good to go. <laughs> That's,
0: could you imagine walking up to that, that show? The big sign out front, no Irish. What does that mean? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come on that's now. Great. So there you go. Segway into the the Food Network, man. That's that's perfect. I I would love to hear about that.
2: It's always been uh, a a dream of mine, right, to be on some Food Network things. Years and years ago, when I was in Minneapolis, we did a Food Network segment called Best of Adventure Dining. I ran this very very large restaurant in the Mall of America. Uh, and they came in and did an interview and gave us a chance to really talk about our food. Uh, and, you know, every place I've ever worked, I've I've always been very fortunate to have media training, to be able to be their spokesperson for my country clubs or restaurants and things. So I've been comfortable in, in front of the camera. And I, I've always wanted to be on Food Network, but the issue sometimes I feel is... You know, I'm classically French-trained, I, I do this for a living, I I work very, very hard and I don't have a lot of drama and I feel like sometimes some of those shows, I don't care what network it's on, they feed off the drama and I just don't have that in me. Uh, I did, most recently I did Supermarket Stakeout with Chef Alex uh, and in, in, in Phoenix and it was fun but they kept like trying to pull out some drama. Like, yeah. can you, you know, this, and I'm like, and and when you talk as a media trained person, you speak very differently than as, as if you've never had media training. So it, it went good. I, I didn't win. I fit. I went to the second round, but it was nice on this round to hang out with Simon Majumder and, and Duff Goldman and Ted Allen. And it was great to hang out with them because now I want to get on Chopped. Like, I want to be on Chopped or I want to be on Beat Bobby Flay. You know, something that really challenges me more and more of my skill. But it was hilarious when the producers called me from Supermarket Stakeout because they're like, hey, we have an idea for you. How would you like to be on a show where you have to get ingredients out of a grocery store? You don't know what they are. And unfortunately... Or fortunately, you're cooking in a parking lot on a grill, and I was like, "Ah, oh, uh, well, wait a minute! Exactly yeah. what I do for today's Hardware. I cook in parking lots on grills. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm going to be okay here. Like, yeah. chances are, I might, that's, I might be able to do this. That's awesome. Yeah, that's but it. Was it was fun. I I like I like the competitive shows on these networks. The competitive food shows. I don't like the drama based shows. I'm just not a drama llama. Right. I don't want to do it. I, I have no desire for it.
1: Like but- you, you, when when uh, Hell's Kitchen became a thing, that's that's to me basically, you know, the big food show. Before that was Top Chef, and everybody's watching sure. Top Chef, which is really about the culinary talents of people that love food. Watch Top Chef. I'm learning. There's a bunch of personality stuff. You have to sell TV shows, but they didn't really dumb down the whole cooking thing to where it became about drama in my personal opinion until uh, uh hell's kitchen was introduced and now it's just brought i mean it's you know i would never do well on a, a a cooking show like that because i'm just i'm i mean i have drama in my personal life mel and i have drama almost every day between one another but it's I, I was just like, bullshit,
2: bullshit. <laughs> this,
0: tell him about the meltdown you had in Vegas where he was, right? About the boats. How about
1: that? You want there to talk was about a drive meltdown. a hole leak? It's not cow. a meltdown. It was, it was, a, it was right. a reaction in the heat of the moment. Uh, with the 4, you threw a pair of tongs
0: at a, at a representative of Ace Hardware over it. I it did cra- no such you thing. You did so. I saw. did,
1: and Jason would never allow me to come back. <laughs> San Antonio, March 10th, 11th, uh, 12th. <laughs> <that's Martin> <laughs> <Callagers>. <laughs> it would never happen. It would never happen if I did anything like that. I'm a gentleman. Yeah. I'm a gentleman.
0: It was so. We what was it? What was it we were doing with the sauces? We ran out of sauces.
1: Oh, so yeah, this is a pretty good <laughs> one. So you know, you've worked with Bob Atkinson before, Mr. Jason. and, and yeah, So yeah. We, we show up there. It's Tina Cannon, Mal, and I were the people that Big Green Egg uh, bring for your Vegas thing. And we got to go shopping for ingredients. Bob's got a big budget. He's going to buy the steaks. Well, Tina, Mel, and I go through Whole Foods trying to get stuff to make dishes. Meanwhile, the counsel that Bob gave us says, hey, there's going to be 4,500 people. We're not feeding them a composed dish or dinner. We're showing off the egg. Just get meat and simple stuff. Just You're going to be scooping and serving. It's not going to be anything fancy. So it was really hard for the three of us because we're all chefs, and we're all walking around trying to do composed dishes. So Yeah. Mel and I came up with this amazing idea to. We're just going to get prepared sauces, right? And you know, I I don't even do you remember the sauce, but well, we just picked up these random sauces that we were going to serve on the. What were the sauces? A bals-
0: uh, We had a
1: balsamic. Got, glaze. Like a balsamic glaze and a salad dressing. Yeah, like a sesame salad, salad dressing. So we it would was... slice something, these, and we put you know like an Asian flair or a, or a Greek flair on there, and we'd serve it out. Well between Mel and I and our BS that we could tend to talk with one another every now and again. We're pretty good at it. We like the epic stories that we build in these sauces and all of a sudden we started noticing between the story and just the environment in vegas at the time people would be bringing people back i brought my friend back he's got to try the sauce i told him this was like the best sauce <laughs> the we, we and had by go- day three mel had this whole story concocted about you know i built i stayed up all night long in the hotel room making the, it was the no, most we- fun i've had with the bs story in my life
0: we had gone to emerald's restaurant the night before uh-huh and we had said that we ripped off the recipe for this from, sauce from Emerald himself, <laughs> and recreated it that morning for the yeah. Ace Hardware it's it's cheese. Oh like, yeah, that's right.
1: It was the blue and, cheese dressing and with yeah. the balsamic. You're like, it's blue cheesy, cheesy. It was great. It was, it was, it was <laughs> some look, amazing we're, BS.
0: We're looking around at all the vendors, right? And there's like little lines everywhere. Then you look in front of us, and it's like a
1: hundred deep. And, right. and it's still piling
0: up, and it's all
1: for the sauce. It and was the sauce, hilarious. they keep going, we're, we're here to try that emerald sauce. And Mel's like, you know, the saucy sauce I stayed up last night. I mean, meanwhile, there were two bottled sauces we combined. So my sous
2: vide in my bathtub in my hotel room.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it was crazy. So that's that the good. drama part. Is I don't know. There's drama. It would be good There's Food drama. Network drama right there.
2: Yeah, they would love that, though.
1: Do you have another network appearance coming soon? Do you have any inroads to Chopped or uh, Beat Bobby Flay?
2: Well, you know, I did I did suck up to Ted Allen pretty good. I mean, if there's one thing I can do, I'm a pretty good kiss-ass. And uh, I made sure that I, you know, I offered to carry him back to his room. I offered to go get his coffee. I mean, anything that I could do. Yeah, I just, you know, we just had a nice conversation. I said, hey, you know, I would love to get on an episode of Chopped. I have his contact information and... You know, I'll follow the the avenues, but I think that'd be a blast. Um, I would, I'd love to do that. And and not for the notoriety, Uh, I'm not a media hound. I mean, it's nice, that's a a byproduct of doing it. I'd love to do it for the personal challenge. I mean, for me, you know, being able to keep sharp with my skills, uh, you know, I'm not in the kitchen every day, right? I'm not in the kitchen serving 500 meals a day. So it's nice to always keep your skills sharp and uh, continue to be relevant.
1: Well, I always thought that would be a great idea to do it like an ACE event or, or the big green egg festivals that Mel and I cook yeah. around and do like introduce a chop type challenge with the host ACE, you know, and then goes to the vendors or something. I don't know, but you give us, you know, we have a pantry and then you give us a mystery ingredient like, you know, uh, a lamb from Denver. A <laughs> there you go.
2: Uh, I'm in uh, California next week doing some ACE work and, one of the VPs of Big Green Egg is going to be with me because we're doing some training. So one of the nights we go out to dinner, I'm going to bring it up to him uh, because I want to talk to him about Eggfest. Uh, so maybe we can pull something together and do a little uh, Big Green Egg sliced.
0: The two ladies that you sent out my way for Eggtoberfest from Ace Hardware, the ones that do the sauces and stuff, they yeah, were fantastic. Good. And I made yep. sure they left with one of my sauces just in case. Yeah, so we'll,
1: we'll see.
2: We'll see. Too. Yeah.
1: That's
2: Ashley and Paige. They're just, you know, I'm super fortunate to work with rock stars. I mean, the ACE folks are just absolute gems. They're wonderful people. They all work very, very hard. And from the retailer that owns the store to their helpful folks, to the people at ACE corporate, we're all driven to make sure we all succeed. It's a very, a very good environment to be in because, we all work hard to make sure everybody succeeds and has fun and we're keeping products fresh and exciting for our customers, which is pretty cool.
0: Well, that that was what was neat to see. Was it like boots on the ground there, right? Yeah. And just totally, you know, like a fish in the weeds. You didn't know that they were ace-hard, you didn't. And they're like, we're just here to, you know, take it all in and, and we're just learning. And it was wild, I, I, I it was pretty cool. And they had a lot of nice things to say about you, so. They loved
2: meeting you, man. They were like enamored. Yeah, it's a lot. Lot it of happens. fun Eggfest. eggtoberfest is a good
1: time. That's usually the the way everyone feels the first time. It's the second time they meet them that you need to take the survey. That's where, <laughs> that's where the magic, happens. <laughs> that's, that's where the magic happens. That's where the magic happens. That's where the magic happens. So uh, we've built this trail of breadcrumbs. We've taken you from Minneapolis across the country. To yep. Guam we even segued to Guam and then back to Colorado you've got 528 Culinary you're doing your gig I believe earlier in our conversation you told us you started selling some of your products to the local Ace Hardwares is that how this amazing relationship you have with Ace began why don't you tell us about that
2: yeah you know man talk about fortunate it just it, it, I always love because you know when you own your own business people are like oh you're so lucky and you're like is lucky not sleeping, is lucky worried about how much money you make, is lucky yeah. wanting to yeah. shut your own business down. They don't down. see that, right. Yeah, they don't, they don't see the fact that the first three years you owned your own Invisible, business, right. literally wanted to die like right. daily because yeah. it was stressful. Yeah. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time and to, and to meet some great individuals. My local Ace in Highlands Ranch, uh, I, I bought all of our barbecue products for the Country Club from that Ace store and i had brought samples of rubs and things into bill who works in the grill department and just we built a friendship and one thing led to another and all of a sudden he's like hey you should think about selling barbecue products to the hardware store it happened at an interesting time because consulting had started to lull and i was like wait a minute i have to keep revenue flowing now because i own my own business i can't right. i can't not work so right. i added the barbecue products and did five rubs and We had some success that summer and I was like, oh, cool. Fall, we had some more. And then I added brines, turkey brines. Uh, I thought we were living large, man. We sold 72 bags of turkey brine. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) Um, As we sold barbecue products, the store owner and I talked about doing a grilling demo. He's like, hey, you should come and grill. And, you know, talk to customers, promote your products, promote our grills. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, right? I just know I love to talk. I love to serve food and I like to grill. And we, we came together, joined forces, started developing demos. And then I found myself doing them more and more and more and more. And then people started asking for classes and asking me to show them how to use their, their Traeger, their Weber, their big green egg Uh, One thing led to another. And by 2014, you know, we were already in about 40 stores and the Rocky Mountain Ace Group, which is the local uh, retailer owner group, asked me if I'd consider being their spokesperson and grill expert for the region, Uh, Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, Utah. uh, And I said I would love to. I didn't know what it meant, but I would (laughs) love to. (laughs) I went from, you know, uh, a little bar, a little four by eight cargo trailer to a eight and a half by 14 trailer with a ramp to buying a pickup truck to haul a a trailer around. And then as we progressed more and more, Ace Corporate started watching what the region was doing and they said, what's going on? Why are you guys constantly selling more and more and more grills? And no one else is like they're selling, you know, they're doing two to 3% growth. You guys are seeing 10, 12, 14. They all were like, it's this guy, it's, it's chef Jason. We have this guy. And I was like, Whoa, whoa, easy. Like, don't threaten me with a good time. Stop it. So in 2016, I met with ACE corporate. I went out to Chicago and, uh, you know, I got called to the office, so to speak, and was nervous as crap and went out there and talked to them and. Um, they were like, what are you guys doing? How is this working? Um, and it started off just a little like we were both trying to get to, to feel each other out a little bit and understand what we were doing, but not give up too much of what we were doing. And then it just happened. We just started uh, our products went into one Ace Warehouse. By the end of my first Ace Convention in 2016, they had us slated to take our products in all the Ace Warehouses Uh, Now, I think our store penetration, we're up around 3,000 stores that have our products in their stores. And Ace Corporate in 2017 started asking me to do a a little bit more work for them, doing some Facebook Lives about barbecuing and grilling, uh, doing some featured things. And then in 2018, it was full on, you know, we'd like you to be our national spokesperson, which I did. It it was weird. I, I mean, I'm a chef. I'm a guy that loves to grill. And then here's a multi-billion dollar corporation with now over 5,200 stores saying, we want you to be our national spokesperson. Like, we want you to be the face of Ace. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I When that happened, I may have had a little cry in my pickup truck after 100%. that conversation because that was freaking, it, it's, dude, it's it's crazy, man. The amount of trust that Ace puts into me to help drive Barbecue sales for our associates and our retailers is massive. We shoot a ton of content. I do a lot of recipes. Uh, back back here, we do live Zoom trainings. We are going to do 10 of them. We'll have done 10 of them this week by Friday afternoon. I did a Zoom cooking class this morning. I'm doing another one this afternoon. Always showing them new skills to build. You know, it's interesting. Back in the day, 16 and 17, Ace wanted to hire all of these barbecue spokespeople to come into the stores. And I was like, why can't we build them within the chain so that we have, you know, just a much better represented group of people. And now I'm excited because we get to work with you guys at events. You guys are professionals. You do this professionally. You have a lot of fun. You love what you do. I'm excited now that that is coming in and and grill manufacturers are, you know, bringing you guys in to do stuff because it's cool, and that's what our retailers want to see.
0: Let me tell you, you you've definitely you've you've broken the mold, man. It's it's everyone knows. Everyone knows, Jason. Everyone, it's wild what you've I accomplished, man.
2: It. I appreciate it. You oh, know, it's... I keep my, I, I keep my nose clean. It, it's I have a spokesperson contract with Ace Hardware, which is great because it's a reminder of the things that they don't want you to do as a representative of their corporation. But it's also good because it's things that you I wouldn't do anyways. You know, yeah, I love guns. I love hunting. I like all of that. I rarely, if ever, post anything about the above. I don't talk religion. I don't talk politics. I don't get pulled into people's things. I just sometimes hold your head high and, and move on. Well, I have to
1: say that's, uh, you know, uh, I've given you uh, lots of praise today, all well deserved, but that's one of the best things, you know, for me as what I do. You know, I knew Big Green Egg was sending me out to your neck of the woods to work with the corporate chef. I didn't know, I, you know, you, you walk around with like, I don't know, I'm not a corporate chef. I don't know what I, you know, what's he gonna be like? Is he gonna be protective? Is he gonna be this? And yeah. you couldn't have been any more nice, welcoming, comforting. I mean, by within five minutes before we even started shooting, I felt like I'd known you in a long time. So your your demeanor, your openness is also awesome. Your professionalism, your knowledge about the product, the different products at Ace. But the thing that, that goes without saying, which you were just touching on, is the ability for you to juggle all of that, which some people might find as immense pressure. I'm a representative for a multi-billion dollar, I can't say X, Y, or Z or do X, Y, or Z. And you make that seamless. You make it easy. It's, it's not like it's a struggle for you or that you say it's or you're navigating around things or you make other people around you feel like you can't say this you can't do that you have a natural way where you just handle your business in that way and look really great. And it makes those around you do the same thing. So kudos, my friend, you're a great well, choice yeah, for Ace. You.
2: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate that very much. And I remember the first time I met both of you guys, you know, when you came out, I was nervous too. I'm like, what's he gonna be like? And you know, and we jibed like right away. We both had that good vibe and, and I watched some of your stuff. So I kind of understood your personality a little bit and how you operated. And you know what I love, dude? by the end of our, our first day together, you're like, love you, man, we gave each other a hug uh, and from human to human, and Mel, you and I have done the same, from human to human to be able to tell another person that you've just met or you're getting to know or becoming friends with, I love you and give them a hug. Some people are weirded out by that. I freaking love it. It gives you that personal human interaction that I think sometimes we're missing. Like you always post and I I try to always say it back because you're always so gracious like I love you man great work and I always make sure I say it back and you can't be afraid to tell males anybody that you love them like there is nothing wrong with that it just makes that human bond so much better. You know, we all do the same thing. I'm not intimidated by you. You're not intimidated by me. It's not
1: I? a zero-sum game. You don't yeah. have to lose for me to win. All, all yep. water floats all boats or whatever that theme is. Come on, Jordan. Help me out here. Send me the right it's phrase. I don't know yeah. what yeah. I'm water saying. Yeah,
0: water floats boats. That's it.
1: That's <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, well, the, the, the question on the top of everybody's mind right now, watching at home and listening on uh, all the, the things and the things and things. Sorry to do yeah. your thing. Um, hey. Who would you like better, me or Mel? That's a lie.
2: Um, on Mondays, I like Mel. <laughs> Tuesdays, I like you. You know what? I love you guys to death, man. You're both such uh, warm, gracious individuals who love to have fun. You know, it's it's the world we live in is a shit show sometimes. And to be able to have fun working hard. I mean, you guys grind harder than anybody I know. The grind that you guys have between your workloads, uh, your traveling, your family, your personal time, Uh, I watch you on all social media and it's amazing. But the best part is you're always laughing, smiling and having fun. And that is that's what rebuilds your soul.
1: Well, that's I mean, if I can speak for you, Mal, I mean, that's what the two of us immediately connected and we're work hard, play hard people. I mean, we work harder than anybody around us at these events all day long. We're the last ones there. We're the first ones there. We're cleaning. We're cooking. We're serving. We're talking. We're selling. We're doing all that stuff. But then when the lights go down and everybody's gone and we're sitting there relaxing, we're having the best time. There's no like, okay, it's time to wrap up and go put ourselves on ice. It's now part two begins. And and we were like that. We still are like that. And and, uh, you're a very similar soul, my friend. Yep. have have you ever burped an egg before <laughs> and I got no response from him when I sent that video when you were here no response so I gotta no, hear the
2: story You so I love the fact that like and I think that was before we ever met and mm-hmm. I love the fact that you felt comfortable giving me shit knowing that we, we both knew each other so. on social media and we kind of understood what we were like and Mel's like I'm firing shots over the fence today. Like I'm going over the border and I'm going to ask this rat bastard kid if he burps his big green egg, you know, it's, it's, it's when you're a spokesperson for a large company, right? We have a legal department and our legal department wants to make sure that some things are said consistently so that at the end of the day, our customers are protected and they don't have an incident that resulted in me not saying something. So, I burp my egg. It is ingrained in me how I do it. And I'm laughing because Mel's like, you burp your egg? Do you realize I've cooked on eggs for 814 years? And I've never burped an egg. And the first time I meet him, he walks up. He's like, you're cooking tomahawks at one of the Ace conventions on the egg. And he's like, come here, come here, check this out. Walks up to the egg and he's like, it's open. And I didn't burp it. And I'm just sitting there like, dude.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know. Rob, Rob keeps me in check like you wouldn't believe. He's like, we don't deep fry on our egg, Mel. We don't. Like that's. Please yeah. stop putting... Did you he know. tell
1: you the story that happened to me? I was at Atlanta filming. They had just released the wok. I had a couple of wok recipes they wanted to film. I was down there shooting with Rob and I, you know, cameras, sound, Ramsey's, the whole thing. And uh, I've got the wok heating up with oil in the wok. And I didn't burp the egg. And the egg was like, you know, getting walk hot. It was like, you know, 500 degrees at this point. And and they have this, Rob, if you're watching. They have this on video somewhere. And I'm waiting for the day for them to drop it. I literally opened the egg at once. And a giant, not a small, it wasn't like flame licking. It was a gigantic flame ball erupted from the egg, totally singeing my eyebrows, my arm hair, and everything. And they got it all on video. (laughs) <laughs> and I turned right to the camera and says, well, that's a tough way to make a you know, a day's worth of work. So, yes, burp your eggs, ladies and gentlemen, your or when you're cooking with a wok. Yeah.
2: Do you well, remember if, if- during COVID when we did the Facebook takeover and, and Big Green Egg invited me as part of the Facebook takeover? Oh, yeah, that's right. And I did wok fried ribs in coconut oil. Yum. And Rob was like, seriously, after the fact, he's like, what is it with you guys and frying? In your walk, in your big green egg, and I was like, dude, it just seemed like wok fried ribs were amazing. Yeah. And he's like, oh my god, yeah. No,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, I did, I did a big one where I did Nashville hot chicken in their Dutch oven, using using that inside of the egg, right? And and Rob was like, we're not going to share that. We're not a hundred percent. We're not putting people every Tom the Dick and Harry's going to start <laughs> like burning their house down. Like, yeah. stop it, Mel. That's yeah.
1: You know, one of the questions that I don't think either one of us got to ask you, but in closing, I think we both want to know. Um, you've done a lot. You're a person that's disciplined and driven, and you've you know you've always been thinking about the next move. What yep. is the driving force behind you? what is What is it that gives you so much inspiration to pour yourself into your career this way? Where do you find that inspiration?
2: You know, it's, it's, that's a deep question. And I'm glad you asked it. Uh, when I look inside at me uh, years and, and many years ago, when I was a kid, I didn't have the best life growing up. It wasn't easy. Uh, I had a brother that passed away uh, from cancer when I was six. He was my best friend on earth. Uh, loved the, Loved my brother to death. We played name. Legos together, Boy Scouts together. Uh, that, that, that hit me in the gut, man, pretty solid. And My mom then became my best friend because a lot of young little boys love their moms to death, right? And then my mom passed away from cancer when I was like 12, 13. And that was another Uh blow to me as a a young individual. My dad wasn't the nicest person. You know, he was angry, he was mad. He lost a son, he lost a spouse. Uh, And I seemed to be the recipient of a lot of that anger. I found happiness at my neighbor, uh, Gordy and Lorraine's house. I helped them, I mowed their grass for them and Lorraine was a chef for, a classically French trained chef for the governor of Minnesota. And uh, I used to stand on a box or a, a, a bucket at her butcher block counter and roll croissants and she'd teach me how to cook eggs. And I really was fascinated by that. And it was such a happy place for me to be at their house because I was away from an environment that wasn't nice and wasn't fun. Uh, And I discovered, you know, my family, we love to eat, man, we are eaters, like we eat a lot. And we all would meet as a family every Sunday and go out to brunch and when I was 15, I joked with the chef who was running Sunday brunch, like, would I would to come and work here? So I started really young, you know, uh, admiring the hustle behind the culinary team and the person stocking the buffet and stacking the plates and bussing tables. And the kitchen, I, I immediately found my happy place. You know, we're all, I always joke, like, in a kitchen, it's full of misfits and degenerates but yet we all come together because we're crazy. We love to work hard, we love to have fun, we love to banter the ever living crap out of each other but at the end of the day, uh, you're able to, to go home and be friends and talk to your staff lovingly. Um, I found my happy place was in a kitchen, that's my therapy. That, I will tell you honestly, um, growing up you know, in an abusive parent situation and um, losing your parents and then have it, uh, being uh, basically adopted by your grandparents who then raised you, that's not always a good thing for your brain. That that could send you in a tailspin. And yep. kitchen is my therapy. It's my happy place. It's where I find so much joy and happiness. It's a lot of work. Uh, I work really, really hard at what I do, but man, when I get up in the morning and I see my task list of things I have to do, I just chuckle because I get to I, I have my kitchen back there, my happy place. I get to do what I love every single day, and you know, I'll tell you something, my my dad said to me when I was in my early teens, that I would never amount to anything. You're never gonna to amount to anything. He was angry, right? My dad was angry, and, and, and now that I'm older, can I blame him? No, but in the back of my mind, I always thought, I'm gonna prove, I'm gonna to prove to my family I'm going to prove to everyone who's taken a chance on me and given me an opportunity that I won't let them down. I don't intend to, you know, I'll never let Ace down. Ace will never have a scandal. It's just not how I do things. So what drives me is this insane desire to constantly want to reinvent myself, to be new and fresh and exciting every year, and to never let those people down anywhere along the way who have um, helped me out. Uh, I worked for a chef, uh, Mike Moros, years ago, and Mike was my first real executive chef. And I love Mike to death, he's just, he, he took me under his wing, he made me more of a, a chef than he can probably ever know. But when he left and moved to a new job, I worked for his sous chef who got promoted. And man, I'll tell you what, he wasn't my chef. And I gave Michael Braden a really hard time. I didn't treat him nice, I acted like an asshole. Uh, I just wasn't kind to him because he wasn't my chef. And I'm sitting at Johnson and Wales in Charleston, South Carolina, about my fourth day in school, listening to my I was in French regional cuisine, listening to my chefs talk and talk and talk. And it like ding, the light went on. And I was like, wow, I'm an asshole. Everything chef Mike Braden was trying to tell me was only trying to make me better. So I put the quarter in the phone, I call the hotel, I ask for the chef's office, Mike answers. And I'm like, hey chef, it's Jason Morris. And he's like, oh, I didn't think I'd ever hear from you again. And I said, I gotta tell you quick because I'm in between classes. I'm an idiot, I am sorry. I gave you a hard time for no reason other than I was an idiot. I know you wanted to teach me to do better, to be better, to cook better. Uh, and and I didn't take full advantage of that. And for that, I'm sorry. And I, that was when I was like 20 years old. Mike Moros and I still talk. Mike Braden and I still talk. He's the corporate chef for General Mills. Wow. And chef, I call him chef. Every time he messages me on Instagram or Facebook or likes my post, yes. I just smile. <laughs> I smile because I'm like, I got over myself. I realized that there are people out there that are trying to help you and you should look at all of that equally. Right. And I just, like, I'm so fortunate that Chef and I still talk. I still address him as Chef because he was my chef. Yeah, I just have that drive and that desire, dude, to never let people down. I got my it. family, my you wife and my systems. daughters, the companies I work for, my own business, my own brand. Um, you know, you guys, when when you asked me to do this, it. it I don't wanna let you down. We we, we obviously wanna have fun, we wanna to touch on things, and you know, it's... Um,
1: I gotta ask, and if yeah. this is too deep, just say it's too deep, but you said it, so I'm gonna ask it. Is your dad still around, and has he seen the success so he knows you did make something of yourself?
2: You know, it's, um, he's not around. My dad passed away many, many years ago, his wife, you know, called me and said, you got to come to Florida. They were snowbirds. Um, I, I spent a little bit of time with my dad. He was kind of on the way out and and I'm not sure if he knew I was there. And then when he passed, they were in Minneapolis. I went home, uh, saw my family. You know, my family, my dad's side of the family, I don't really talk too much. Uh, we never had that relationship and bond like I have with my mom's side of the family. Uh, my dad, my my dad's wife told me, your dad was proud of you, your dad you know loved you your dad did this uh, and and unfortunately you know I didn't uh, I didn't mend things with my dad before he passed. I still harbored a lot of ill will because when when the world was shit I needed a dad and what I had was someone telling me I wasn't good enough yeah. um, so she said he, he knew what I did she said he knew I was successful and was so so proud of me and I said to her he should have told me that. You know, I, I I am not my father, I am my mother, and I'm definitely my mom's side of the family. I try my hardest to be a great father to my kids, to always be supportive and to never, you know, do or act uh, how my father acted to me. I, I mean, I spanked one of my kids once and I think I cried more than anybody else because <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I do I wish I could have mended things yeah, I would have loved to have that final conversation to hear my dad say, "I'm proud of you." It didn't happen, but I know that my dad's wife, uh, and I don't call her my stepmom because she wasn't really there during my formative years growing up. But um, she said he was proud of me. So I guess I guess in a roundabout way that makes me happy. But what really warms my heart is my grandpa was my best friend on earth. My grandmother was my best friend on earth. Uh, And they raised me and made me who I am today. So knowing that before my grandfather passed away, you know, he was like, buddy, I'm so proud of you. Uh, And my grandma just, you know, my grandma recently passed away last uh, winter, last year, actually, in the winter. Um, But knowing she was proud of me and then carrying on a good relationship with uh, my uncle. My Uncle Joe is like a like a brother to me. Uh, We've never been uncle and nephew. We're just we love each other to death and and. That's what kept me going, right? Like had it not been for that family involvement, who knows where I would have been, right? Like I don't know if I would have taken matters into their own hand and chose not to to be a part of society anymore, which to think of that blows my mind. But I'm glad that I had people that cared about me and I really try hard to make sure that people that have impacted my life, I remind them that. You know, the the folks at Ace Hardware, I love them, immensely i love them to death and it's so crazy that even when we text you know a couple of the marketing people that i've become good friends with they're like love you buddy and i'm like love you back and it's 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 girl boy man woman like it's it's meant as a a term of endearment yeah yeah, and it's totally family
1: when we met you met it's family
0: that that's a testament man because like people feel that you know what i mean The, the the first time i met you in person that was it it was we 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 touched on a, on a heart-to-heart level, even though it was in the middle of a crowd of a million things and our heads full of a ton of stuff we have to do. We had that instant connection. And it's awesome that you wear that on your sleeve, brother. That That is exactly how you survive this thing and overcome everything. And and you do that very well. And I really appreciate you still Thank being you. that vulnerable and that open because it, it definitely moves planets, man. It moves mountains. So yeah, I appreciate that.
2: Thank you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open about it because I, I'm, I'm appreciative of what has happened to me and where I am today. And I remember the first time I met you, Mel, you know, like you, I walk up and it's like bear hug time. That <laughs> yeah. connection between, you know, when you give another human a hug, you say, I love you to a human. I love you, brother. Um, it is such a powerful thing. People just don't understand it. And that's what I love about the two of you, being able to just have that connection on a whole different human level makes it such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Man, don't ever hesitate to tell people you love them because you just don't know, right? You yeah. just don't know what tomorrow brings. Uh, and, man, freaking give people hugs. People love yep. hugs. Give them a hug.
0: Yep. They're well, not illegal. You can do it. <laughs> I know
1: I'm going to close this interview out by saying I love you. I really I appreciate you your time you like and it. your story is a powerful one. I mean, I got really choked up there at the end. I need to go take a spritz or something after this episode. I'm pretty moved. Uh, and it just further endears you to me, to us. And uh, you're, you're a good egg there, chef Jason. I love you, brother.
2: Thank you, man. I love you too. And thank you so much. Love you too, Mel. Thank you guys for uh, having me, man. I, I remember the first time you did it. I was like, Oh, I had FOMO. I was like, I want to be on that podcast. Like <laughs> these are the coolest guys on earth, man. Uh, and you said the time's coming. That when the time's right, we, we, we got you. Uh, so I really appreciate it, man. I I um I appreciate the opportunity to tell my story and and you know, if anything, just be that reminder to people that no matter what's going on. Reach out to those that love you and find that that opportunity to be better and to surround yourself with people. And I'll tell you what, if anybody ever wants to talk with me about adversity or just need a shoulder to cry on or an ear to, to chew, man, reach out to me and, and let me know how I can be of service. So
0: Awesome, brother. And, yeah, like to, to finish it up, do you have anything you want to plug? Anything coming up? Anything you want to promote? Social media? <laughs> let, how could people let, find you? Know, you? Yeah.
2: Uh, follow me at Chef Jason Morris on Instagram uh, um, and and support your local uh, everything. And not just Ace Hardware, but support local everything. Uh, when I'm a small business owner, right? And you guys are small businesses as well. The more we can get people supporting that small business, that is the lifeblood. You know, it, it, it's catchy that they always say you're not helping a corporation buy another jet. You're paying for someone's soccer lessons. But It couldn't be any more true and now in the environment in the economy that we are in. It's so so important to really hunker down and support those that support you. So keep growing your communities. Um, Don't complain about things get out there and be involved like the only way we are going to make the world a better place giving free hugs telling people you love them and getting involved. So stay true to yourselves Uh, at the end of the day you are your own brand. So don't compromise you are who you are for a reason and that's what god made you so be a badass thank you chef thank you chef thank you guys appreciate it
1: I don't know what you thought, but that was one of my favorite guests yet. I don't yes. want to rank guests, but to me, that was uh, not only is he a sweetheart of Chef Jason, a sweetheart of a guy, but that was some pretty good conversation.
0: Yeah, man, he's, he's definitely the realist of real. And for people that, that have tuned in and, and taken that episode in, what you have to understand, as coy as he was about his position, he is the face of Ace Hardware.
1: And Face Ace, of Ace Hardware, Hardware. Is, they're like the Death Star,
0: man. They're the biggest
1: companies. They're, they're, they're the massive. only big box store that Big Green Egg sells to. Everything else is direct to wholesalers, but Ace has a yep. special relationship. That's how big Ace is. It, so that, it's, it's humbling that he came on our show in the middle of doing all
0: of the epic things that he's always doing. Yeah. But it's super humbling that he is that human and able to come right down to that level. In the middle of working, in the middle of doing everything, the guy's a beauty, man. An absolute beauty.
1: And it's so inspirational hearing somebody in our world... That's always thinking about what's next, not being okay with the way things just are or having things like that story told about he got the bonus check. It wasn't the bonus that he was thinking, you know, we just passed Christmas time. So I'm thinking about National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. I'm like, do you have a crazy Uncle Ernie that went and captured your boss at the country club and forced him into giving you a thing? And he, you know, and his story about taking that check and starting a business uh, so inspiring. And just the real speak that he talked about the struggles of owning a business and all the work that goes into it. I mean, people don't talk yeah. about that. You just see on social media and on YouTube and stuff, hey, it's great. It's not always great. Sometimes they, yeah. a lot of times, most of the times, well, challenging.
0: This is I bit my tongue because I'm always talking about myself, right? So I just let him carry that one out. But I had I, I really wanted to throw in there. I understood exactly where he was coming from i did the same thing right i built elvira at work knowing full well that i was done I was man leaving. <laughs> and i was like this bonus all right okay and i'll just keep my smile on my face build an entire smoker roll it out and then quit like that's
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i'm glad so, you I, waited I, till our wrap-up to talk yes. about yourselves yeah it's good that's should it. i say so something you- about myself now or i don't I'll try to always- keep it about the oh. guests and
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Buddha has a second book coming out. If you didn't read the first one, the second one has
1: more stuff to read, more
0: stuff to read. So get ready. Oh for yeah. La- and
1: I just found out you're not coming to my book release party because you're so important and busy. Unlike Ship no, Jason, no. I bet if I asked him, he would be here in a heartbeat, even if he had other commitments, that's not, how much he loves me.
0: I'm not, not coming. I haven't said that I'm not coming yet. I'm doing my very best. It's yeah, actually, I feel
1: pretty good about the party we're about to throw, and you'd be front and center. I'm going to be there.
0: I'm going to okay. do my very best to be there. I but don't when you figured
1: it. that out, let us know, because I want Jordan here, too. It would be a great opportunity for lots of content, and, and to do what we did last month here again yeah, would be just, and that's what I say 100%. all the time now, 100%. 100 percent so there we go
0: jason morris ladies and gentlemen he's an absolute beauty he's a monster <laughs> if you're at a barbecue event and you see jason morris you heard it go talk to him see how he's doing he's gonna open right up he does literally wear his heart on his sleeve and give absolute. him a hug
1: and tell me you love him
0: because that's, that's it what he's, makes the world go around right he's, he's a deadly unit man a deadly mm-hmm. unit and then this was an awesome show guys yep. thank you guys very much for following along Make sure you hit subscribe, hit the bell, do the things, hit us in the comments, and let us know how we're doing. We're also on Apple, iTunes, and Pods, and Spotify, and what, all that stuff. Those YouTube, things, yeah. We're in those. Instagram, things. we're all over. Right the on. Don't after the don't cook. email me unless you got money for me, though. Okay, because <laughs> my fucking producer. Yeah, and if me you're looking to- in the middle of the show, in yeah. the middle of the show, I see him popping up. I just want to smash my laptop. But
1: well, that's like, why you have to put uh, yourself on Do Not Disturb so that stuff doesn't come in or close man, your email. If I
0: did that. I would not know how to get it off. And then I'd be like, no one's reaching out to me. No one's stopping. <laughs> yeah, that's happened so, to me so many times. Yeah. So we're not uh, doing uh, any of that. That's
1: Thanks, everybody. No Mel, thank you. I love you, brother. Jordan, you guys. I love have you it. too, awesome. brother. Man. Peace. Thanks for following on.